Well, welcome again, everybody. It's great to see you and everybody watching online. Thanks for uh, taking a break from the beach and your vacations. Or maybe you're just home this weekend. Thanks for gathering uh, there as well. And everybody at Montrose, thanks for gathering at, uh, there also. It's just good to be together. It's good to gather together. Uh, we've been in a series these last uh, few weeks called what, what Does God Actually Want From Me? And what we've been doing is talking about this part of Jesus' teaching where he was kind of traveling around, he stopped and he started to give this real in-depth teaching about what he thinks, what he wants from us, and what he is like. And we, we call that the Sermon on the Mount. And so he uh, kind of picture him sitting on a hillside and, uh, and people are listening to him. And there's hundreds or maybe a couple thousand people there. And they just like kind of want to know what's God want? What's he like? What's, what's his kingdom like? What's he thinking? And he's explaining that. I think this is a sermon that he probably gave several times because when you read the rest of his teaching, you see him kind of refer to as kind of woven in to everything. But it's, it's one of those places in the Bible where you can really understand uh, who Jesus is and what he's like and what, he, what he's looking for from us. So we've been talking about that for the last few weeks uh, online, the podcast, the website, like all that, you can grab it and catch up with it. But where he's at right now is he's been talking about uh, what we would call the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are something that are super old, like they came back like at the beginning of the Old Testament. And so they were something that had been taught for centuries and centuries, and they were woven into what's called Judaism or the Jewish culture. And so here at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking to people who have that background. They're either Jewish or deeply affected by the Jewish culture. And he knew that these 10 commandments had been out there for a long time, but he also knew that they had been kind of distorted and added to and built upon. And so he's clarifying what God meant by them and clarifying how to interact with God through them. So what you'll hear him say a lot is, he'll say, you have heard it said, but I'm telling you. And what he's doing is he's unplugging all of that religion and all that cultural stuff that went into that truth. Now the commandment that he's gonna kind of talk about here on the Sermon on the Mount that we're gonna talk about this weekend is the commandment that says thou shalt not lie or bear false witness. It kind of depends on what translation you read it, read it in. But that's the one he's talking about. And he's gonna talk about that in terms of making a vow or representing yourself in a way that's dishonest or untrue. So if you got a Bible, Matthew chapter five is where we're where we're leaning into, and this is on the app, and, and, or use your phone or whatever, but Matthew chapter five, uh, here on the Sermon on the Mount, this is what he says. He says, he uses that phrase, you've also heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vow you made to the Lord, but I say, don't make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne, and don't say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool, and don't say, do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. And anything beyond that is from the evil one. If you're a church person and uh, you grew up with the, the older translations like I did, what this would say is Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just say, yes, I will, no, I won't and kind of leave it at that. Let your yes be yes 
and your no be no. Now, what Jesus is talking about here, and we'll, we'll dig at this, and I'll try to explain it to you. What he's talking about here is what we would call in our culture integrity. That I want you, it, what he's saying to people is I want you to be people of integrity. And I want you to represent the integrity of God to the to people around you. If you're not familiar with that word, my definition of integrity, super simple, is this. Integrity is being the same everywhere. That's all integrity is. It's being the same everywhere. So in this context, what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you're my follower, I want you to be the same all across the board. Like, I don't want you to have a work life and a home life and a on-the-field life and a school life and a night life. I want you to be the same across the board. I want you to live in truth. I want you to be honest. I want you to, to not put on falsehoods. I, I, if you make a promise, keep a promise. I want you to be people of integrity. And in this conversation that, that he is having, that's the conversation that he's trying to press into the people who are listening to him that you have, you have taken kind of God's name, God's character that has led to like this culture and you have caused it to lack integrity, I want you to be people of integrity. So that's, the, that's kind of what we're gonna talk about this weekend. So this is the path we're gonna take. Uh, we're gonna talk about how integrity untangles our rationales and why that's a big deal. I'll show you that in a minute. We're gonna talk about how integrity facilitates loving relationships. In fact, I think integrity is one of the greatest tools God gives us to love each other well. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how integrity can clearly represent Jesus' heart and mind when we live in integrity. And then we're gonna talk about why it's so hard to live integrity, why a simple thing is so hard to, to pull off, okay? So let me show you this. We'll start at the beginning. Let's talk about this idea that integrity untangles our rationales. It untangles our rationales. So what Jesus says and what he, like the examples he uses, what he's doing is he's pushing against a rationale which says sometimes a lie is not quite a lie and there's like degrees of lies and it kind of just depends on what you say to whom to what when, right? Now he says it this way. It's kind of confronting religious people about this and he says it this way. He says, but I say... Don't make any vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth because the earth is, is uh, his footstool. Do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even say by my, by my head for you can't turn one hair white or black. Okay, now what is he talking about? The people that Jesus is talking to here on the hillside are kind of struggling with something that we would struggle with too. And it's this idea that sometimes it's okay to lack integrity if everybody kind of expects you to lack integrity. So what this, these people had done is they had basically constructed this rationale that said this. They said, it's okay for me to be truthful depending on what I made the promise on. So if I looked at you and I said, I swear to you by heaven, that to them is like a super, I'm telling you by heaven, I would never, that's like under oath, that, is, that, that means this statement is the real statement and I'm telling you by heaven. They would say, 
I'm telling you by God's footstool, by God's presence, I'm, I swear by God, by earth, I, I swear to you by Jerusalem, I, I'm telling you my heart on Jerusalem, I swear to you by my, my own head, my own integrity. And what they had done was they had decided that if I make an oath or a vow or make a promise, depending on what I made it on, made it legitimate or not, if I made it on this, I meant it, but if I made it on that, we all kind of know that I didn't mean it. Now, we would do the same thing. Like, this is the way that we work a little bit. So we would say, I'm t- I, sw- I, swear by, I swear to God, I never, I swear on my mother's grave, I never, I'm telling you, I swear on my kid's life. We would, we would make that same kind of rationale. And what we would do with that is we would look and say, there's sometimes that I'm telling you the truth. There's other times that I'm kind of telling you half truth. I mean, I didn't swear to God. I wasn't under oath. And then there's other times that I'm going to shade the truth or I'm going to tell you a soft lie. And everybody kind of knows it works that way. Everybody knows that like this guy is overselling. Everybody knows that the, the products on the infomercial don't really work. Everybody knows that if you, if you order off the Instagram post, it's not gonna look like that when it shows up. Like everybody kinda knows that. And what these people had decided was, as long as everybody kinda knows that, nobody's gonna care. And Jesus comes in and he's like, actually, if you're following me, I would rather you make no vow than a fake one. I want my people to be people of integrity so that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you are truthful, you are honest, you are complete, you are whole, your life matches. You don't have a work life, you don't have a school life, a church life, a married life, and out with a boy's life but you are a complete person all the way through. We don't tell conditional truths to each other or to the world around us if we're the people of God, right? Now this is what happens. This is is why this is a big deal to God. When I decide that I'm gonna participate in what is the social norm, right? It's kinda okay to lie here, but not here. It's kinda, everybody knows that guy's not telling the truth, but he just makes those promises. When I decide that I'm gonna participate in that, in that cultural norm, what I have done is I have lost sight of a basic truth of my life if I'm a follower of Jesus. And the basic truth is this, ready? The basic truth is that Jesus is always with us in all circumstances. So I'll start to deceive myself and I'll start to think Jesus is with me at church. Like I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna praise, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna be super, but he's not with me on the internet. Uh, Jesus is with me, like with my wife, but he's not with me when I'm doing business. And we'll start to lose sight of this basic idea that when I become a follower of Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is, the Holy Spirit of God lives within me, and wherever I go, God is with me me. He doesn't enter and exit my life. He's not looking at this part of my life 
and not caring about that part of my life. He is with me wherever I go. Therefore, he sees everything that I do. He hears every word that I say. He knows every promise that I made and how I want to play that game of this by Jerusalem, by heaven, by, he doesn't care because he looks and says, my people are directed by me in all aspects at all times of their life. And when I fall into that trap of compartmentalization, I've lost sight that Jesus is with me all the time. What integrity is, integrity is just, integrity is recognizing the constant presence of Christ, of Jesus. That's all it is. That he, when I'm on the internet, he's with me. Just like he's with me in church, just like he's with me when I'm playing football, just like he's with me when I'm out with the boys. And integrity is me living that consistent life with him wherever I go and whatever I'm doing. I was getting ready for this weekend and I was reading an article by a, a great author, his name's Timothy Keller. You should read all of Timothy Keller's books. Um, everything he writes is great. Plus I get a kickback when you buy some, I'm joking, I don't. But, but he, he's awesome. But Timothy Keller was, t- was telling this story in, in one of a, this article I was reading and uh, he's a pastor in New York and he said that years ago, um, a guy came to him for counseling because the, the man had had an affair on his wife and as he was working with this couple and he was understanding what this guy was doing with this affair with his wife, what the guy would do is his wife traveled a lot and when the wife was traveling, the man would bring his mistress to their house. And he said, that, the man said, the hardest part of me bringing my mistress to my house was that my wife liked to decorate with our wedding pictures. Some of us can relate to this. Like the wedding is before you always, right? And so all these pictures on the wall, on the piano, all this kind of thing. And he said, in order for me to have the affair with my mistress in my home, I had to somehow make my wife's presence go away. So what he would do before his mistress came over is he would go through the house and he would turn over all of his wedding photos so that his wife's presence wasn't in his home when his mistress was there. That's what many of us do with God. Like God, God's not with me. I just Jesus, just like flip that. I'm on the internet. I'm not... I'm, I'm trying to get this deal done. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, get my husband off my back. So here's this half truth. I'm trying to make this happen. I'm trying to make this happen. And we'll, we'll flip the pictures of Jesus and pretend that reality is not reality so that we can live in a breach of integrity. All integrity is is us flipping those pictures back over and saying, actually, the reality is Jesus is with me, right? And that's what the people that Jesus was teaching here at the Sermon on the Mount were doing. They, they had this, this commandment, don't, don't bear false witness, don't lie. And they're like, oh, but not, not when I'm trying to get the deal done. Not, not when I'm trying to, not when I... And he's like, no, no, that's not cool. Like, that's not, that's not at all what God meant, Right? You, you don't conditionalize your integrity. You embrace it and pursue it 
if you're a follower of Jesus. Now why, why is that a big deal? One of the reasons that's a big deal is because integrity facilitates loving relationships. Integrity facilitates loving relationships. In fact, I would argue that you cannot have a loving relationship without integrity. This is a great quote. This is straight from my dad, Clarence Bogue, right here. He used to say this to me all the time. People who love each other don't lie to each other. People who love each other don't lie to each other. My kids will be very familiar with that statement because I passed it down from my father. People who love each other don't lie to each other. And one of the things that integrity does is it gives us this wonderful opportunity to facilitate healthy, strong, loving relationships because people who lie to each other don't express love to each other. And if I'm looking at a friendship, I'm looking at a business relationship, I'm looking at a marriage, just fill in your blank. If I can bring wholeness or honesty or truth into that relationship, I'm going to facilitate that relationship in a strong and a healthy way, right? I call this the integrity of love. So Paul, the apostle Paul defines love for us. Super famous passage. He says this in 1 Corinthians 13. He is saying this is what love is. Love's patience, kind, It's not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not selfish. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It never gives up, never loses faith. It's hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Prophecy, speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love lasts forever. Part of what the Apostle Paul is saying is this. If I'm gonna have a relationship that relationship needs to be rooted in Christ's love for me, reflected through my love for you. I cannot love you and lie to you. I cannot love you and live a double life. I cannot love you and hold a secret that I'm lying about. I cannot love you and lack integrity with you. I will not have a relationship. So I have to bring truth into that relationship. I don't weaponize truth. I also don't withhold truth. I bring that truth or that honesty with the integrity of love. I, I can tell you a truth that's true about you, but I can say that in a hateful way. You know what your problem is? Your problem is this. I can nail you. I can truth bomb you with that. I can withhold truth from you because I, don't know, I know that you don't want to hear it. I cannot live in integrity without love. So sometimes I'm going to have to tell you what you don't want to hear. Sometimes I'm going to have to speak something to you that may be difficult for you. Sometimes I may have to let you into a part of my life that I'm embarrassed to let you into but I cannot love you without integrity. See, it facilitates that, where you can trust me, you can know me, you can understand me, you can count on me. There is not a secret in my life. And Jesus is leaning into this, he's like, listen, that's the way my relationship is with you, and, and that's the way I want your relationships to be with each other, and, and if you're like, we're all winking and nodding at each other because I swore by Jerusalem. 
how do we ever love? How do we ever interact? How do we ever bear each other's burdens, speak to one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds? How do you ever do that? When we're all kind of faking it and the culture we create has allowed us to accept that fakeness, see? Now, I wanna do a side note on this, okay? So that was point number two. Here's a side note. This is, you don't even have to increase your offering. This is for free, right? Here's this. This is what I found a lot. This is what I found a lot. I found that in relationships, we feed off of each other's integrity or each other's lack of integrity. So what I'll often do in a relationship is your lack of integrity will become an excuse or a rationale for me to lack integrity, right? And this is the side note. I want you to see this real quick. I think it's important. My integrity towards you cannot be shaped by your integrity toward me. That's what creates this culture of wink and nod and everybody's lying with each other. So you, you don't tell me the truth, so why do I have to tell you the truth? You, you, you're nice in front of everybody at church, but you're a jerk at home, so I can be a jerk at home. Me, I can be that. And now we're a fake it family. You, you do this, you, you do, I live this dupe. I'm this way, this way. People over here know me this way, but people over here know me this way. A lot of times what happens is we'll feed off of each other. And this is a side note. This is super important. Ready? My integrity has to be built off of God's integrity toward me not off of my relationship with you. Because what human beings do the best and most often is we sin against each other. What we do the best and the most often is we sin against each other. If you're married, you have sinned against your spouse and she has sinned against you. If you have parents, they have sinned against you and you've sinned way more against them. If you have a friend, they've sinned, because human beings by our nature, sin against each other. If my rationale for life is your behavior, your behavior will just degrade my behavior. So my integrity is a response to Christ. It's not a response to you. And integrity can facilitate loving relationships. And the more that my response is a response to Jesus, not a response to you, the more that I'm gonna be able to facilitate that relationship because I cannot love you without integrity, okay? Now, here's the third point. Integrity untangles those rationales. Jesus is just like, stop it. <laughs> like, don't make these conditional promises where everybody knows you're lying about it. It facilitates these relationships because you can't love without integrity. The other big, big thing it does, and this one's super cool, is my integrity reflects Jesus's heart and mind. My integrity reflects Jesus's heart and mind. I love, Jesus does this all the time. Um, he, what he does is he takes this super complicated, what feels like this big thing, and he breaks it into this really, really simple thing. And so what he says is this whole big arena of integrity, if I was gonna sum that up and I was just gonna help you have a very simple answer to it, I would say this, these are Jesus's words. He's like, guys, just do this. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Just let your yes be yes or your no be no. Get out of the shades of gray, like get out of like walking the line, get out of like, well, they knew what I actually meant. You didn't read the fine print. He's like, just get, stop it. Just, just say, yes, I will, or no, I won't. And, and just simply put your life out there or simply say, I don't wanna, I don't wanna participate in that. 
but stop all of this madness of swearing by Jerusalem and swearing by your head and just let your, say yes I will or no I won't. He gives us this incredible example of this in John chapter 18. So John chapter 18, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and he, uh, he, Jesus, before he was arrested and went to the cross, he was praying in this garden. So he's in this garden called Gethsemane. That's where he was when people came to arrest him. And so the first people came to arrest him. Of course, he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to go to the cross. So the temple guard came to arrest him. In John chapter 18, Jesus knew that they were coming to do that. So they walked in. They're kind of looking around because some of his followers were there. They're trying to figure out who he was. And so Jesus asked them this in verse four. He said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. Who are you looking for? Uh, Jesus of Nazareth. That's me. Uh, Yes. Are you Jesus of Nazareth? I'm Jesus of Nazareth. That's me. Right? They, the Bible says they fell back and Jesus said, I am he. They all drew back from the ground. Once more, he asked them, now who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, he said, I told you, I am he. And since I'm the one you want, let the other people go. He, he's like, you're looking for, he didn't like, like what kind, there's a lot of people named Jesus in the ancient world. Which one are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, the one from Nazareth? Yeah, Nazareth or Nazareth? Because you know there's that other town. He didn't play, he didn't hedge, he didn't fake, he didn't twist. Who are you looking for? Jesus, I'm him. They arrest him, then they take him to his first trial, which was before like the Jewish leaders. And so he's in front of the Jewish leaders, and they said this, verse 19, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers, what he had been teaching them. (laughs) I love this. Jesus replied, Everybody knows what I teach. What have you been teaching your followers? Everybody knows what I teach. I preach regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people were gathered. I have not spoken in secret. This Sermon on the Mount, I I give this thing like five times. Like everybody knows what I teach. Did you teach you were the son of God? Yeah. Did you teach you were the only path of salvation? Yeah. Did you teach no other name under heaven which can be saved? Yeah. Everybody knows that. I, I have not been sneaking around. I didn't go on the internet and put messages out under a false name. I have been as straightforward as I can possibly be. I, yeah, that's me. They take him from there and they take him over to the Romans. This is where he's in front of this guy named Pilate. Pilate looks at him and he says, uh, are you a king? And eventually Jesus is like, yeah, I mean, not of the kingdom you're thinking about, but yeah. Did you teach these things? Yeah. Do you deny any of this? No. He was just straightforward. I want you, I want you to catch this. His integrity took him to the cross. And it gave credibility to his sacrifice there. He never, like... He never like worked his way around it. He never dodged it. He never painted it this way. He never was like, are we talking about Jerusalem or the footstool of heaven? It was a yes, it was a no, it was not in secret, it was clear. 
and it took him to the cross. Why was that so important? Why is it so important that Jesus had integrity? I wrote it down this way. I said, Jesus loves you so much that he has been totally honest with you. And his integrity is what helps us to know that he has been totally honest with us. You cannot find duplicity in Jesus' life. You can't find a secret in Jesus. It doesn't exist. He didn't do it. He did, everything he did, he did publicly. He did it without apology. Full of integrity all the way through. And it's a reflection of his love for you, right? For instance, he's been totally honest with you about your sin. Do, do you know how much easier Jesus' life would be if he would have never talked to us about sin? You know how popular Jesus would be if, if it was only about blessing us and prospering us and helping us and making our life better and making our dreams come true? You know how popular he would be? You know how much life easier my life would be if Jesus never talked about sin? Uh, you pull sin out of the equation and like there's only like awesome stuff that we love to hear about Jesus. Why does he tell us about sin? What's the upside to him? There isn't. What's the upside of Jesus talking about our morality or our greed or our integrity? What? There's not an upside to him. Why would he do it? Because he loves us and you can't love people without integrity. Jesus, Jesus can't withhold that truth that, that sin destroys our relationship with God, sin destroys us, and sin ultimately puts us on a path of eternal separation in hell. He can't withhold that truth and be a truthful God. Can't do it. Because you can't love without integrity. So he's totally honest. He's totally honest about our sin. He's totally honest about his love for us too. He's like, Here, here's the deal with your sin, but listen, I love you. That's why I tell you the truth. That's why I tell you about a need for a savior. That's why I tell you that like, you lack integrity, it's gonna destroy your relationships. That's, that's why all this stuff is in the book because I, I, don't, I'm not, I didn't come to condemn you. I came that the world through me might be saved and this is the whole story. You gotta know it. But it was his integrity that did that. It was his integrity that gave the Ten Commandments, so to say. And so here on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is looking. He's like, guys, don't distort this. Like, if you're my people, you say you're my followers, don't be the guys that wink and nod and twist the truth. That doesn't reflect me. You can't love each other that way. And I know that you constructed this rationale and everybody agrees with it around you, but it's wrong. It's not true. It's not honest. It's not good. And I want you to be, be honest about who you are. Be honest about who you're not. And follow my example integrity, of integrity in all these things, right? Now, last thing. Why is this so hard? If he boils it down, he's like, just say yes or no. Like if it, if it boils down that easy, why is it so hard for us to live a life of integrity? It's fascinating when you look at this, the beginning of this passage a little bit, Jesus helps us to understand this. He says this, you've always heard 
that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows, you must carry out the vow you made to the Lord. This term carry out, if you kind of translate that into our vernacular, what it means is you must pay it. You must pay the vow. When I make a promise or I represent myself in a relationship, I've made a promise or I've presented myself, there's a cost to that promise for me to live it out in integrity. The reason that living in integrity is hard is because it's costly. When I made a vow in marriage, there's a cost to that vow. When I, when I represent myself, you can trust me, I'm your pastor. There's a cost to that vow. When I look at you and say, but I'm your friend. But no, 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 no. This, when you buy this product, this is actually what, it, what our company, we will actually do what we When I make a commitment, there's a cost to that commitment. And most of the time when we're talking about integrity, we're not talking about the difficulty of finding the truth. I just, I don't know, it's confusing. I'm not sure what's right or wrong. That's 99% of the time, that's not what we're talking about. Most of the time when we're talking about integrity, we're talking about the difficulty of living the truth. And we're not wrestling with whether something is true or honest or good or not. We're wrestling with whether I want to pay for it or not. Honesty hurts sometimes. Sometimes if I love you, if I love a friend, I have to look at them and I have to tell them something they don't want to hear. I don't like doing that anymore and you like doing that. It hurts them. And it brings attention into our relationship. And if you are that person that likes everybody to like you, there's not a more miserable situation you can be in than to look at someone and say, what you think is right, what you think is good, what you think is, is not. I'm not wrestling with whether what you think is true and what I think is true. I'm wrestling with whether I wanna pay for it. Honesty leaves you lonely a lot. You ever been in that situation where you're looking and you're like, am I, am I the only one that sees this? Everybody thinks this. It's, it's, it's the culture of our family. It's the culture of our school. It's the, it's the culture of our culture. Like everybody, am I, the, am anybody else? You ever been in a situation where you're like, I, I guess I'm the one that's got to say something? I mean, this is nuts. I, it, for me to love you, I can, I can't let you live in this illusion. I guess I guess that burden just fell to me. That stinks. It's lonely, right? And I'm not wrestling whether I'm seeing it right or wrong. I'm wrestling with, do I wanna be left off of the trip that everybody else has taken? Do I wanna be pushed out? Do I wanna be bypassed for the promotion? Like, do I wanna be, do I wanna be the family outcast? That's what I'm wrestling with. That's why it's hard. Sometimes honesty invokes wrath. You speak the truth 
and people will explode. How dare you? Who do you? Everybody knows. You're such a jerk to dad. You're such a creep to mom. What? I'm just telling, I'm just saying the truth. I'm not being a jerk. I'm trying to be gentle. I'm trying to be respectful. I'm trying to be, but like I, I in good conscience cannot just stand here. So integrity's integrity's not usually hard because it's confusing. Integrity integrity is usually hard because it's costly. And Jesus would look and he'd say, "I got you." I mean, my my integrity cost me the cross. Cost me the cross. But I'm telling you, my love for you motivated me to bear the cross. And if you guys are going to love each other, there's times you've got to pay for it. And if you're going to love each other, you've you got to love people sometimes enough to like risk the relationship. I've got to love you enough to be the only one. If we're going to break this cycle in our family, like somebody's got to Somebody's got to stand up for what's right. And Jesus would look at us in those moments and he would actually sympathize. The Bible calls that sharing in the sufferings of Christ. This is what I felt like on the cross. And sometimes to love me and follow me, it's going to feel like that. Not, not all the time. Because Jesus had lots of happy and wonderful moments. It feels like that too, but sometimes. It's just you and God. And to the audience of one, I have to be honest, I have to be thorough, I have to say no, I have to not participate. I, because I want to be the same. I want to be the same person that honors Christ in every aspect of my life. So that's why Jesus made it a big deal. And it's why, it's why he put it in the core of his teaching. Because he knew we couldn't love each other well. He knew that we couldn't represent him well. If we didn't look and say, I want to be committed to living a life of integrity. Okay. All right. I'm going to ask the band to come out. And um, they'll have to arrange the platform here a little bit. But. Maybe, you, could you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a minute? I want to ask you two questions and then we'll pray as they settle in, right? Here's the first question. I am 100% sure because we're all human beings that all of us have been hurt by a lack of integrity somewhere in our life. Somebody's lied. We've been ripped off. They presented themselves in a false way. And if you have been hurt by a lack of integrity, what this conversation does is it brings you to a point of offering forgiveness. I'm the one that's been hurt and I'm the one that needs to forgive as I have been forgiven. And Jesus would look maybe and say, hey, just like you hurt me, and maybe there's somebody that their lack of integrity has produced anger and bitterness and malice. And what God wants to do in your life is help you to forgive and give compassion and mercy.
I am 100% sure, because we're all human beings, that we have lacked integrity towards someone else in our lives. And we're the liar, we're the dishonest one, we're the one that has withheld truth. And where this conversation brings you is to a point of confession. Maybe there's a secret that needs to be told, a hidden addiction that needs to be brought to the light, a broken relationship that needs to be healed. You can't love somebody and not have integrity because you don't lie to the people you love. So this is Jesus' heart. This isn't another thing to add to the list. This is his heart behind it. It's why he wants us to have clarity with it. Jesus, in these moments, would you press into our heart and help us, help us to forgive, help us to confess. Lord, we wanna be people that live for you and represent you and we're flawed and your grace and your mercy help and cover all of that. But to look and to be defined by you, that's the key. So wherever we are in this discussion that you have led us to, would you meet us there? And would you help us there? And would you help us to to move in whatever direction you call us to go.